From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our fourth episode of Season 2, Kevin will be speaking with Margie Halem, our Private Client Network partner in Washington, D.C., Margie is a top luxury real estate broker in the D.C. metro area, and here's why. Margie is ranked among the top 1% of realtors nationwide by the Wall Street Journal and is consistently recognized for her exceptional service. While Margie has earned numerous designations and awards over the years, she takes great pride in the personal connections she forges with her clients. And in case anyone's counting, Margie has brokered over $1 billion in real estate sales during her career, over $130 million in 2021 alone. What we admire most about Margie is her upbeat personality, her can-do attitude, and her overall personal warmth. We are so fortunate to have Margie in our private client network, and we are delighted to have her as our featured guest on Luxury on Location. Hello, Margie. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Welcome to Luxury on Location. Thank you for having me. You know, we go way back, Margie. You were one of the original partners in the Private Client Network. I remember our first offsite back in Boca Raton, I think in 2019, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's been <laughs> it's been a long road since then, and we've been through a lot, COVID and everything else, and we've really grown this network. And, you know, I want to thank you so much for being a part of it, being an early adopter of the network, and I think it's worked out great for everybody. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I love everyone that's on our team. It's been really fun getting to know everyone and learning about the different markets. Yeah, you know, I tell people it's not just a referral network. There's so much more and the collaborative effect that I feel, you know, but it's a big support network and it, it starts with the people. So we've, we've been lucky to get such great people like yourself in the network. Thank you. So the first topic of conversation here is background on this podcast. So for our listeners, it would be great if you could take everyone through, you know, your professional background, including how did you get to the D.C. metro area, how long you've lived there, you know, et cetera. So it's interesting. I was born into a family of salespeople. So I was exposed early on with my dad, who was a salesman. I had a natural passion for sales and I loved real estate just at a young age. And my friends, when I was young, there was a woman in our area in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I'm from, they would have signs over, you know, throughout our neighborhood. And the kids would call me, her name was Margie. <laughs> so they would tease me and pretend that I was her. So Never thought that I would really go into real estate, but I graduated from Penn State when I was 22 and I moved to Washington, D.C. And I had a sister who was working for a small Georgetown firm and she invited me to join them. And I just fell in love with it. And the owner of the company just sort of mentored me and taught me everything she knew. And that's how I started. Wow, that's really Interesting to come right in out of undergrad and get right in on the ground floor. So many people come into real estate from other professions 
and it's sort of a second career, but you started early in that process. But today, so many people come right out of undergrad or grad school and they want to get right into real estate because they see how lucrative it can be if you can take time you know, as a young professional and really establish a strong base of business over a period of time. You know, when I started, so we were a small Georgetown firm and the women that I worked with were, you know, either a senator's wife or an ambassador's wife. And, you know, it was just so intriguing to me to be meeting these people and learning from them. And I just fell in love with the the history of the city and just being in Georgetown, not needing a car and walking everywhere and walking the streets and showing property. Just, I, you know, just fell in love so early. So it's crazy to think that I've been selling real estate for more than half my life. Wow, that's incredible. You know, it's interesting. Most children have a first experience with Washington, D.C. I remember I grew up in Brooklyn, and when I was in seventh grade, I think, we take the bus trip down to D.C. for two days. <laughs> and that every, the big thing is your first like class trip as you go to Washington, D.C., right? So everyone right. sort of remembers D.C. When, when you were a youngster and you first visited. Well, you know what's so interesting? Our city has grown so much. You know, back in the day when we all took that trip and we were kids to D.C., you know, they showed you Capitol Hill and the National Mall and everything that our city was built on. But now our city has expanded to every quadrant. You know, we have Northeast, Southeast, Southwest, Northwest, and there's been so much development that now when you come to D.C., there's so much to see. I mean, you could literally spend two weeks here and be doing something different every single day. No, that's true. And we'll, we'll get into that later in the podcast, the lifestyle. But maybe I, I think at this point, it'd be good if you can explain to the listeners the sort of the, the markets that make up, you know, the D.C. metro area. So the D.C. metro area includes close in Maryland and close in Virginia, which would be northern Virginia. And that Maryland market you're including like Chevy Chase, Bethesda, Potomac. Those are all considered close in Silver Spring, Kensington. Those feed into our, our DC market. And then you have Northern Virginia, which includes Arlington and McLean, Great Falls, Falls Church. And those sort of all feed into the district. So what drives the decision making process for where people want to locate specifically within the D.C. metro area, I would imagine it starts with where they work and then I guess how they want to live. True. You know, it's so interesting. Washington is so unique because we have the government sector and we have the private sector and it's constantly changing with the demand. You know, we have corporate headquarters for Amazon, Boeing, Volkswagen, you know, so and then we have a whole tech quarter, which feeds out through Maryland. And. I think it really depends on where you're working, you know, and what you want for your family. So in D.C. proper, I know Georgetown and a lot of people want to have a townhouse. And in Georgetown, you know, what's the real estate market like right in D.C.? So there's a lot of hot spots in Washington, D.C. So right now we're seeing Georgetown is still strong. The highest sale so far in 2022 has been in Georgetown on O Street. It was the Pillsbury's home that my friend Michael just sold. So that was close to 12 million. So that's strong Georgetown. But what you have is just this tremendous growth in the wharf, 
Navy Yard. Logan Circle's a really hot neighborhood. The Hill is still sought after. You know, there's so many different pockets. So it really depends on where you want to be, how close you want to be to the metro. Do you want to be, you know, near the zoo or certain schools? I think that when you're looking for, and again, everything depends on price points, for a single family detached home in the district, finding something, for instance, under a million dollars is not easy. So that's when you're going a little further out and going maybe north of Georgetown. So people bleed out of D.C. to get more value, more for your money, and probably a bit more of a suburban experience? Yes, because the suburbs of D.C., when you look at Chevy Chase, for instance, which is a suburb, which in in D.C., but Chevy Chase or Wesley Heights or the Palisades, those prices have just skyrocketed or they're soared well into, you know, to get a a single family home, you know, with four bedrooms and two and a half bathrooms with a little bit of a yard, you're going to be looking well over 2 million townhouses or row houses, brownstones that are converted, you know, they're anywhere from 2 million to 4 million. So people tend to have to go outside the city to get more space. So when COVID hit, Did people want to get out of D.C. and and get out into those suburbs? Yes, they did. And what's happened is now we're seeing people coming back in. Yeah, the COVID boomerang. Yeah, I'll tell you, COVID revamped the Potomac market, the Bethesda market, the Chevy Chase market, McLean. These are all suburbs of D.C. They went gangbusters, you know, but now that COVID is under control, and the pandemic has calmed down, people are definitely migrating back to D.C. You know what's interesting about that? People live in a certain area for a very specific reason, and COVID was an artificial sort of scenario, if you will, you know, and people pivoted for those reasons, but with COVID now being behind us, people are reverting back to places that they lived for a very specific reason before COVID, right? Right. That's what's very interesting. And in our business, it's been, you know, lucrative. And, you know, for realtors where there's transactions and there's movement and there are people buying second, third, fourth homes, people relocating and now with people moving back. But it really goes to show you that people gravitate toward a a lifestyle and a a location for various personal reasons. (laughs) And when all things being equal, that's where they're going to want to go back to. Right. And what's interesting is even though our relocation market is always strong here, but the market from the suburbs, at least the empty nesters and people that are downsizing, my clients tend to move back into the city because they want the vibrancy and they want to be able to walk everywhere and they want to have everything at their fingertips. So I see a lot of that too these days. Now, how about people moving from outside of the area into the area due to COVID, like people from the Northeast, maybe Philly or Boston or New York. Have you seen a lot of that? Well, so I've seen a lot of our relays actually, at least that I'm working with, are coming from the West Coast, you know, Seattle, California. We have a lot of relocation buyers that are moving this way. Yeah, you mentioned you had a tech hub there. So I imagine that that's where the Seattle and the San Fran Mm -hmm. people are coming from, you know, for tech jobs. 
Right. And they will tend to be maybe outside the city. My DC buyers are working in the heart of the city, basically, like on the hill, they need to be here. Then we have people that are moving into the outskirts of way out in um, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley. I just sold a house and, and a couple of them are coming in to be into the city so they can enjoy their weekends here. It's really interesting for you because you cover a lot of different lifestyles in that D.C. metro area, right? So you can be approached by a buyer who could be looking for something completely different than the buyer you worked with the day before. Oh, absolutely. It changes daily. I mean, I can be in D.C. showing on the hill. And in the afternoon, I'm out in Potomac showing. Yeah, that keeps it interesting. Right. So what are the trends right now? Like now we've got some economic uncertainty. We have rising interest rates. We've had some of the, the boomerang effect of COVID. So like what, what's going on right now in the overall D.C. metro market? You know, I think D.C., and especially after all these years, we're stable. D.C. is a resilient real estate market. And yes, interest rates do impact our sales. It's really, I don't really see a huge impact on our luxury market in terms of people's affordability. It's the market, you know, under a million five and under a million that's that has more of an impact because those buyers are not typically right. not cash yeah. buyers. Right. Price sensitive. Yeah. But but still a still a demand and it's still hard to find. We're still seeing multiple offers in certain price points, anything in DC, not condo related, but if you're in a townhouse under 900 or under a million, you're going to move your property. So inventory is still pretty tight. Inventory is still pretty tight. Yes. Have you done a lot of off-market deals? Has that been popular? They are. And what's interesting, because, you know, like all of our stats, for instance, you know, they come through our MLS system, but there are things that are not noted, you know, in the MLS because they are private sales. And we do do a handful of them. So why don't you take everyone through your business? I know you run a team and I know you've got at least one family member on your team. Maybe you could take everyone through sort of how your business is structured and how you operate it. So I have no structure. My business is all about my team members inspiring each other and learning from each other and really learning from me. And my job is to inspire and to educate and to be there for my team. So personal relationships are really important. I don't have a guidebook. I don't have rules other than treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's so important to me. We are a group of eight. Yes, my son is on my team. My sister who started in real estate prior to me, she's the reason I got into real estate, is on my team. But I have five other members that are like family to me. And I think what keeps us together and keeps us going and and why we're successful is that we rely on each other and we're there for each other personally and professionally. And I think that's so important. You know, it sounds like to me that, you know, it's a mentorship model and that is a structure in itself. And that's a pretty effective way to run a team. Some people run it in a, in a highly structured manner where they really like hard driving on their salespeople. And then some people run it like you, where you're there to be a mentor and collaborate and, and provide guidance as needed. And certain people gravitate toward that. There's no one way to be successful in real estate. So I know that 
I've bumped into many team leads that run this mentorship model like you seem to be doing, and it's quite effective. Well, I think it's important because, you know, I learn from my colleagues. I've learned from you. I learned from our team on the private client network, but I share everything I learn on a daily basis with my team. And I think that's important. And they're with me because they want my knowledge, my experience. And I've been in so many situations over the years that I know how to handle things. And, you know, I'll never forget when I started in real estate back in the 80s. I worked with somebody for 16 years who who mentored me. And I once used this saying that I always, whenever there was an issue or maybe a problem, I went, oi, oi vey, actually. And he looked at me and he said, I never want to hear you say that again. It's now going to be no problem. And it's true. And that's even throughout my life. I learned from him, nothing is ever a problem. Nothing. You deal with it. We work through it. You talk about it. There's always a resolution. And my team is run that way. My family is run that way. My business and life. I mean, everything is, we're able to just work through things and have a resolution. Yeah, we're true entrepreneurs. You know, I, I often tell stories to people like when a client will call me and ask me anything under the sun and the answer is always yes. You know, can you sell a property in the Caribbean for me? Yes. And then I hang up the phone and then I'm like, okay, how am I going to figure out how to do that? And then you just, you figure out how to do it. You become resourceful and then it's just your mindset that you can help a client navigate anything and it's always just act as if and no drama and you you just get into a mindset that you're resourceful. Right. And you know, Kevin, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, you're just luxury or this or, and they might be concerned about listing something with me that is under a million dollars, for instance. You know, I specialize in all price points. My whole goal is to match people with their needs and requirements. And that's really what it's about. No, that's a good point too. Uh, personally, I don't care if it's a rental or a low-end deal or a high, I don't really care what the number is. It's a client. I treat every client the same. Every transaction is critically important to me. <laughs> and that's and that's your mindset. It's true. That's really interesting. So, uh, you know, last year you had a pretty big, a big year and it shows that you're running your team in the right way when the business opportunity presents itself you could execute. I mean, you did 130 million last year and it just shows that not everyone is ready for that onslaught of business, right? And you were clearly ready for it because in our business, it's about executing and closing business and and you you did real well last year. Well, I'm very fortunate that I have a great group around me that support me. Our team is incredible. And I know, I mean, I'd love to be able to name everybody. And my operations manager is so grounded and guides me. And I'm really fortunate to have her eight years, actually. And it's been terrific. But the support of all of my agents, you know, Harrison, Lori, Liz, Matt, it's been wonderful. Is there anything special that you or your team does to differentiate yourself in the market? I mean, obviously, we're in a competitive industry. So is there anything that you guys are no, you're the go-to team for X or just how do you, how do you from a competitive uh, perspective, differentiate yourself? Well, I think it's really about, and you know, it's such, again, it's a, that white glove service. We will do everything for our sellers. It's such an emotional time when you're selling. It can be very overwhelming. 
And we really offer just from services from A to Z, from coordinating organization. I will pick up boxes and I will pack them myself. <laughs> so I'm very hands-on. And I think what differentiates me is that it's not even just the team. I'm personally involved in every transaction. Yeah, helping. that's important. That's important. It's critical. It's so important. You know, I think that sometimes it can get lost when you're with a large team. You may not get the attention. And I just, I know that I'm somebody that craves attention when I want, when I, in a service industry, when I go someplace or, or I'm, and I need something, I want to be treated like I treat people. So I think it's really important. And I follow through with everything. If I tell somebody I'm going to be picking up their mail and taking their trash out and making their beds, <laughs> we will do it. There's a lot behind the scenes that goes on that so many people sellers and buyers don't realize what agents do. And we do it all. You're smart to be so client focused because if you take care of a client, they will refer you to everybody. They will keep coming back. Right. And that's for sure. And you know what else I think that's what I benefit from is my husband is a builder. So it's really, I'm knowledgeable in the building part of real estate and I can walk through a property and I am not overwhelmed by what needs to be done. And I know a lot of sellers are concerned about, oh my goodness, I have to do this, I have to do that. And we can plot it out for them in terms of what needs to be done and we can handle it all. So it's just, we have a great team of people that we work with in terms of contractors and different vendors and we coordinate it all, estate sales, junk removal, whatever it is, donating items, we just handle it. And it's even the next step from a seller, like where they're going. I'm a senior real estate specialist, so I, I work with a lot of people who are in that phase of their life where they're moving on to retirement or so forth and what they need to do. And I think that we're good at hand-holding and we treat each client like they're our only client. Bingo. <laughs> right. And I think that's the key. At the end of the day, we're in the relationship business. Transactions are a byproduct of strong relationships. For sure. Right. And even among other agents, we have a great rapport with so many agents. You know, when I mentioned my friend who sold the house, the highest sale this year in Georgetown, we can just pick up the phone and talk about when we first started in real estate together. But it's the relationships we have with the other agents, not only compass, which is our, you know, of course, we're all so collaborative, but it's even the agents and the other companies and they want to work with us because they know that we'll get the job done and that it's going to be smooth and no hiccups. I'm glad you brought up the agent community because th that is just so critical. We had a team discussion the other day about that. And my thought on that is other agents are not really our competitors. You have your own client base. You cultivate it. I said they're collaborative partners and you cannot burn those bridges and you want to cultivate those relationships because people will gravitate towards you and want to do deals with you if it's a pleasant experience. And you'll see that the doors will be swinging open for you when you're showing other agents listings where you've had a good relationship with them. So building those relationships, not only personally with your clients, but on a trade side with other agents in your uh, community is really important. For sure. So let's switch gears now toward my favorite part of the podcast is to talk about the lifestyle. You know, like I'm well-traveled. I used to work 
for American Express, and and I've been everywhere. And and one thing I'm into is really the different lifestyle that is provided in each of these markets. I know DC is a full spectrum here because you can be in any part of the metro area, but why don't you take our listeners through a little bit of the lifestyle down in the DC metro area? Lifestyle. Well, you know what? Every day is a new day in Washington, DC, and there is so much to do that I don't really know where to begin. It's really just, and I'll say this because there's so many times where I think Washingtonians don't take advantage of everything our metro area has to offer. I take advantage. I have many friends that stay in their little world, but my husband and I love to be in D.C. Logan Circle is a really cool area, so we love to eat at Le Diplomat. It's just a fun, trendy place where they have the best burgers ever and amazing seafood tower. So I'd say dining is really huge here. Great restaurants. But more importantly is just walking around the National Mall, walking on the Southwest waterfront. I love Georgetown. And I'm obviously I'm partial to it just because that's where I, my roots are. And that's where I started. There's just so much to do and so much to see. The nightlife is incredible. And there's concerts that the waterfront has a new, it's just, it's so vibrant. And there's a, where they do outdoor concerts at the Anthem. I'd say every week there's a different event for charity fundraisers on the mall. This weekend is Autism Speaks, which I'm involved with. And it is just so cool to be walking around the National Mall with hundreds, if not thousands of people just enjoying our city. Yeah, there's good energy there. So what about out in the suburban markets in the D.C. area? What's the lifestyle like out there? Uh, The lifestyle, when you look at the suburban markets, Bethesda's a really hot area, fun. Bethesda Road with shops and restaurants, which is really neat. And that's right down the street from me. So my office is, I'm the founding agent of the Bethesda office of Compass. Just so much to do and just enjoy the trails especially this time of year in the fall, you can go into Virginia or to the Shenandoah to see the beautiful changing of the leaves or up to Sugarloaf Mountain in Maryland. Or we're a 45-minute drive to Annapolis and close to Baltimore. There is so much that the DMV has. It's unbelievable. Sounds incredible. So no, it's, you're in such a central location too. And then just from a travel perspective, you can get down south quickly. You can you can go anywhere <laughs> from right. DC. Right. I mean, my favorite things, and it never gets old, is really just first driving into DC in the on the GW Parkway and seeing the monuments, and then just parking your car and walking around. It's incredible. Yeah, you have those visuals, almost like your skyline, just like in New York, we have the skyline and we know that view from different vantage points. That's what it feels like home in D.C. I'm sure you have certain views that just reinforce why you live there. Right. I mean, I literally pinch myself every day because it's just it's incredible to be around it and the history. I love Calorama and Embassy Row. There's so much here. And you have Georgetown University. Yes, yeah, so which is really cool. And GW and Mount Vernon. But anyway, it's, it's just so much to do and to see and to appreciate. And that's the thing. I appreciate the city and I am grateful that I get to be here. It's truly a gift. 
That sounds terrific. So on a parting note, there's a lot of realtors aspiring to break into the luxury market that listen to this podcast. So what advice would you give someone that's fairly new to the business that really wants to break into luxury? I really think that don't be afraid. I talk to so many young agents or newer agents and they don't think that they can do it. Like, how can I get in when so-and-so has already cornered the market? You can really do it but you have to have a good marketing plan. I mean, people are, I think, in any price point, but in the luxury price point, these sellers want to see what you can do for them. And so it's really thinking outside the box and from different hosting, different parties or events at these listings, like really having a great plan, marketing plan. And I think that once you know how to really market a property. Like we're so fortunate at Compass that we have that support that before we even visit with a luxury seller, we have a whole plan of what we can do to market their property and network it. I think the Compass digital marketing platform is huge and everything that Compass has to offer our luxury brand that somebody that wants to crack into the luxury market, they have all of that at their fingertips. And it's really learning the luxury market. You have to be constantly looking at everything that's on the market that's sold and studying and learning it because you can't just break into the luxury market without having an education on it and a real education. Whether it's self-taught or what I did was reached out to every luxury agent that I knew and even didn't know and picked their brains and asked questions and tagged along and learned from some of the best. I was really fortunate. But I think that everybody has that opportunity. They just have to go get it. Yeah, that, that's really good advice, the marketing aspect of luxury real estate, because that's really what it is. You know, a luxury property is a brand, a luxury agent is a brand, and you have to understand how to represent that brand, how to cultivate it, how to leverage it. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. We've all seen people try to market a luxury property in a way that you can tell that they don't have experience doing it. And then you can look at someone that really knows how to market luxury and there's a subtleness to it. And there's a simplified sort of method of doing it. And most people overdo it if they don't have experience in it. So understanding the nuances of how to market luxury as a way to break into luxury is is really good advice. Right. Well, that wraps up our time today, Margie. I really want to thank you for spending some time with us today. I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed that conversation. And again, thank you so much for being in the Private Client Network. If anyone listening to this podcast is looking for real estate down in the DC metro area, Margie Halem and her team are at your service. So thanks again. Thank you, Kevin. It was really fun to do. Perfect. And I'll see you in Atlanta. Absolutely. See you in Atlanta. All right. Take care. Bye. A sincere thank you to Margie Halem for being our featured guest on our fourth episode of the second season of Luxury on Location. That was a fascinating conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are a multitude of podcasts out there, so we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. 
We hope to see you back for our next episode when Kevin Snedden will be speaking with another one of our private client network partners and discussing their luxury market. In the meantime, please check out the Private Client Network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at theprivateclientnetwork.com or on Instagram at Private Client Network. Until next time. 